0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we remember the life and legacy of the great Henry Aaron, who just passed away. Bob Irving, who lists Hank as a childhood idol, joins us for a nice chat about that. We'll also hear from the commissioner of Manitoba's under-18 AAA Men's Hockey League. And why he's written a letter to the province, to the premier and Dr. Rusin and Heather in the health minister, about reconsidering the fact that hockey's still closed. He wants hockey to come back. He thinks it's safe to do so. So we'll get into all that on the podcast. My, wor- my work phone here, so I'm going to use it to call Bob now, live on the air. And we're going to call Bob up and see if this works. Hello. Bob Irving, we're live on yeah. CJOB. How are you?
1: <laughs> Good. How are you?
0: Doing well. Thanks for uh, dealing with our phone issues here. No problem. All right, so... We've got you on to talk about uh, the late, great Hank Aaron, uh, childhood idol of yours. How old were you when you first became aware of Hank Aaron?
1: Well, that's a very good question, Mr. O'Mell. Um, I was thinking about my childhood today when I became a sports fanatic, and I still can't recall what led me into that particular way of viewing the world, but something did, Uh, and it was probably... I don't know, I was 12 or 13 years old when I started collecting baseball cards and following baseball in particular. And remember now we're talking about the early 60s and uh, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have all the avenues to keep track of sports around the world that we have today. But I somehow heard about this guy named Hank Aaron, and I I love baseball, and I followed it as closely as I could through the radio, the one TV station that we had, the newspapers. There were magazines, all kinds of magazines printed in those days where you could get stories about uh, sports stars. And uh, Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle of the Yankees were some of my earliest heroes. Uh, But I quickly discovered uh, Hank Aaron was one of the great players in the game of baseball, and I found his story to be particularly interesting because of the path he had to follow to get where he was. And you know, there's a lot of talk about that today with the passing of Hammer and Hank Aaron. So it would be sometime in the in the early to mid '60s when he was well on the way to becoming the the home run king that uh, many people still see him as.
0: And he came up in a time when still black baseball players were a little more rare. And there was still a lot of, well, there still is a lot of racial tension in the United States. But his story was one that he was constantly overcoming these hurdles. And his chase to 715, he was the target of a ton of hate mail, death threats. It was, you know, a triumphant story it could have been. But really, it was marred by, in his eyes, he talked about it a lot. He kept the letters that he received to remind him of what he had to go through.
1: Well, yeah, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, Christian, as everybody knows. But when Henry Aaron came up in 1954, uh, there still weren't that many black players in baseball. There was still somewhat of a color barrier there, although it had to a, a certain degree collapsed. But he fought some of the same prejudices and, and the racial uh, tension that players of his color fought from the day Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. And then you. Get to 1974 when he hit the 715th home run, the home run that broke Babe Ruth's record, and many people in the states did not want him to break that record. Uh, Babe Ruth was the bambino, the Sultan of Swat. He was he was a hero, and a lot of Americans, mostly white Americans, didn't want a black man to break that record. And as you say, Henry Aaron, Hank Aaron got death threats. You know, he got all sorts of letters. He endured unimaginable racism and hatred. And, you know, he had every reason to be bitter and angry about all that, Christian. But he never was. And that's one of the things that I've admired about him all these years is that he handled all of this as well as anybody could. And imagine the stress uh, that he must have been under in those days uh, leading up to the fact that he was going to challenge this all-time record with death threats hovering over him. And he had, to, he had to sort of hide his family away because they were receiving death threats too. It's, it's unimaginable what he had to go through. And yet he never once lashed out at all of that. He just held his head high. He carried himself with grace and dignity and the humble spirit that he had. And he broke the record. And I know when he broke it, he, he said, I'm glad it's over. Uh, and there must have been the weight of the world lifted off his shoulder Uh, The night he hit that home run off Al Downing. I'll tell you a funny little story about that. I had just started working at CJOB about a year and a half before that. And I was watching that game. I still remember this. I was watching it on television in my apartment. And when he hit the home run off Al Downing, I phoned CJOB. I phoned the newsroom and I did a live report because the fact that he was going to or could break that record was in North America, it was an unbelievably big story. People might say, Wow, well, just baseball, right? At that time, this was uh, a mountain that nobody ever thought could be climbed. And so it was a major story, both in news and sports. So I phoned in this report on the station. I hung up my phone, and my phone rang, and it's Don Whitman, the late Don Whitman. And he says, you know, you can't do that. You can't watch a thing on TV and then phone in and put it on the radio. You're in legal trouble. And and what kind of led me down you know, down this road for a little while and he actually had me pretty scared and then he started laughing. <laughs> but he had me convinced for a minute that what I had done something that was illegal, like picking something off TV and then reporting it on the radio. Anyway, that was kind of a, a neat little uh, memory that I have of that seven hundred and fifteenth home run. I also when I tweeted this earlier today, Christian, I happened to be at Jerry Park in Montreal, which was the tiny little park that the Expos played in when they were first awarded a franchise. And my wife and I had made a trip down east. And I went to a game between the Expos and the Atlanta Braves, and I was lucky enough to see Hank Aaron hit a home run. And I can't remember the exact number. I'll have to look into it. It was either 704, 705, 706, something like that. And I still, in my mind's eye, have this picture of him snapping those wrists of his, those famous wrists, and the ball just arcing and barely over the fence i mean aaron was not a big powerful man like some of the home run hitters we relate to he's maybe six feet 185 but he had this beautiful swing and powerful wrists and he just snapped the ball out of there and i'm sitting there in jerry park thinking man is this ever cool watching hank aaron actually live in the stadium hit a home run
0: well, it would have been close to his breaking the record already over 700. What was the energy difference in the ballpark because of his presence?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Now the crowd wasn't very big as I recall. Uh, the expos weren't drawing great back then, and Jerry Park was. It was a tiny little park, and it was. It wasn't very sort of up to major league scale, shall so we say. But yeah, he hit the home run. I remember he got a tremendous round of applause. Everybody knew that he was closing in on. On a history that uh, nobody ever thought they would see. And so it was, again, a very neat moment. And he trotted around the bases very slowly in the same way he did, I think, on all 755 home runs that he eventually hit. And you know, he's remembered as this home run champion, right, by most people. But he was one of the most consistent baseball players in history. He didn't just hit home runs, he had 15 seasons. Christian of thirty or more homers. As a matter of fact, he hit forty-four home runs four times, and he wore number forty-four, which I think is kind of cool. He had fifteen seasons in which he scored more than a hundred runs, and anybody who follows baseball knows those are marks that you know put you in the elite. Uh, he was a three-hundred-five career hitter. He he played twenty years in a row, twenty years in a row on the National League All-Star team from fifty-five to seventy-four. He hit 314 times. He was a terrific outfielder. He had pretty good speed. He stole bases. Uh, He was among the greatest of all time. Remembered most for the home run conquest, but he was a consistent, all-around great, great, great baseball player who carried himself, as I said, with grace and dignity, and he exuded class every minute of his life. He was in his own way a civil rights icon because he helped open doors for other black players with his just the way he carried himself and so I look back on on him as one of the I guess one of the athletes that's had an impact on me just watching him carry out his life in such a dignified way.
0: Just two and a half weeks ago he got the COVID vaccine and made a point of of doing it to show the black community that it's safe to do so to encourage more people to get it you mentioned the numbers 72 career home runs off Hall of Fame pitchers he faced 21 of them 722 total bases is the gap between him and Stan Musial, who's second all-time in that category. It's an enormous number there. Uh, You're right about the home runs. And on that note, Bob, are you one of those that considers him still the true home run king, or is Barry Bonds okay in your eyes?
1: No, Barry Bonds is not okay in my eyes. Uh, Henry Aaron's the home run champ. He always will be, in in my view. And everybody, I think, is familiar with the steroid controversy that surrounds Barry Bonds, who... I, and I don't, won't argue for a minute. He was a great baseball player, had tremendous talent. But I don't believe he would have hit as many home runs as he did, if not for the steroids. Henry Aaron, if you watched him throughout his career, and I've seen all kinds of pictures, his body never changed. I mean, he was 6 feet to 185 pounds from day one to, to the 22nd season that he played. Uh, so all the home runs he hit, he did on sheer talent and without any artificial Assistance. So I still see him as the home run king. I always will. And I know many people of my my elk and even of yours, I think, who have looked into it would probably feel the same way.
0: I personally am okay with Barry Bonds getting into the Hall of Fame. I don't think there's any issue with that. But for sure, I think just by saying, would he, just ask the question, would he have hit over 755 homers without the juice? And to be fair, it's never been proven that he took steroids. It's just widely suspected. Would he have broken that record? I think it's pretty safe to say no, he would not have. So, uh, in the end, Bob, really, if you're looking, it's hard to make a Mount Rushmore of, of baseball just because there's the two completely, you know, pitchers and and batters are just two completely different categories. But I mean, he, we'll leave it off on this. There's, it's safe to say Henry Aaron, his impact from start to finish, both in baseball and in society, being such a successful black player. It's really near the top of the list, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Everybody that I think follows the game and has followed closely would agree with that. And again, the one thing about him that stands out above all else, in addition to his brilliant athletic ability and all the things he accomplished because he was a great athlete and great baseball player, is the kind of person he was, the kind of human being he was. You know, he said one thing that I, I thought was really interesting uh, when he was. Closing in on Babe Ruth's record, and there was getting he was getting a lot of pressure, and a lot of people didn't want him to break it. And he said, "You know what? I don't want people to forget Babe Ruth. I just want them to remember me." And I thought, you know, what a gracious thing that is to say too. And that uh, to me, that just exemplified Henry Aaron, great player, and to use a kind of a corny cliche, an even greater human being, from all accounts.
0: Well said, Bob. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and uh, we'll talk football, I'm sure, sometime soon.
1: I'd love to, Christian, anytime.
0: All right, that is the one and only Bob Irving joining us on the late, great, legendary Hank Aaron passing away in his sleep at the age of 86. So new rules take effect tomorrow for many businesses in Manitoba, as well as slight tweaks for visitors to your household. Not that Anyone's going to be visiting me in Sully, which is totally okay. Didn't get visitors before the pandemic. But anyway, there were some notable things missing from the latest round of restrictions, and they mostly had to do with physical activity. Gyms are still closed. I know a lot of people unhappy with that. And recreational sports are still shut down, which has prompted an open letter to the Premier, the Health Minister, and the Chief Public Health Officer from Levi Taylor, who is the Commissioner of the Manitoba AAA Under-18 Men's Hockey League. The letter reads as such: Dear Mr. Pallister, Miss Stephenson, and Dr. Rusin, the hockey community is concerned about the mental, physical, and social health of the citizens of this province. We are particularly concerned about the well-being of children and youth in Manitoba. Physical activity and social interaction contribute to the health of individuals and are essential for healthy growth and development of children and youth. Physical activity helps prevent and reduce the effects of depression, stress, and anxiety. It increases energy levels, helps maintain a healthy body and improved sleep quality. Social interaction contributes to the development of interpersonal skills, relationships, and emotional capacity. In contrast, the continued prohibition of social interaction and limited, uh, uh, and limitation of permitted physical activities has caused immeasurable harm to the children of this province. They are socially isolated, increasingly depressed, and at greater risk of physical and emotional abuse. A recent survey by Hockey Canada and that 45% of parents are concerned about the mental health of their children. Organized sport plays an important role in coordinating and facilitating physical activity and social interaction for children and youth. Since mid-November, however, restrictions have been in place that prohibited organized sport. Recreation facilities, gyms, and fitness centers have all been closed. The Manitoba Under-18 AAA Hockey League calls on you to reopen recreation facilities, gyms, and fitness centers for use by children and youth. It can be done safely. And it must be done now to curtail the harms inflicted. In the fall, the hockey community, under the direction and leadership of Hockey Manitoba, developed comprehensive plans to safely start our season. Across the province, facilities, associations, leagues, and teams all implemented protocols to mitigate risk. We made use of Manitoba's COVID screening tool, compulsory for all participants before every on- and off-ice activity. Contact tracing was added. Mask use was mandatory. Arrival and departure time for participants and spectators was limited. Social distancing was enforced. Dressing rooms were sanitized frequently. Travel was reduced. Bus capacities were limited. Spectators were limited and then prohibited. Off-ice warmups were restricted. Handshakes were eliminated. From the top down the hockey community worked together to provide a safe environment for our children to participate in physical activity, continue in their social development and ensure their mental health needs were met. At the under 18 level, Sully, we did not have a single positive case as a whole. The number of positive cases in minor hockey was limited. These events did not contribute to outbreaks. They were not super spreaders. We are committed to implementing the same protocols to prohibiting spectators and to ensuring the safety of our communities and members We're asking you to work with us to immediately reopen facilities for children and youth and to permit them to participate in organized sport. The mental and physical health of our children requires your immediate action. Sincerely, Manitoba Under-18, AAA Hockey League, Levi A. Taylor, Commissioner. And now I take a breath and we are joined by Levi on the CGOB Sports Show. Uh, Levi, why did you
2: feel compelled to write this letter? Um, as a league, uh, you know, we wanted to give a, a voice to uh, you know our players in particular, um, but hockey players more generally, and and kids even even more generally. Um, it, you know, looking at at the extension of the restrictions coming into effect, um, you know, it really hinders a lot of associations and organizations' ability to put on a season. Um, you know, with the lack of opening of any sort of recreation facilities, uh, you know, we looked at the the harms that it's causing and and felt that you know we couldn't be silent anymore. Uh, that that we had to go public and and felt that it was the right time and it was the right thing to do.
0: So you mentioned in the letter that there were no positive cases at the under 18 level. Now it has to be said that this was a few months ago now, and we have had a a very different couple months than we were at at that time. The test numbers or the case numbers have certainly gone down in the province since then, but I I reckon you're very comfortable. And you've had time to come up with a plan that would safely allow hockey to resume, correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, Hockey Manitoba um, and the various organizations and associations spent a good chunk of time in the summer and fall working on, you know, developing these plans and then putting the protocols in place, um, you know, to safely allow our seasons to start. And I think we did uh, an effective job of limiting risk. And I, I think it's that's important. Um, you know, we've seen kind of a, a lockdown here for, you know, almost more than 75 days um, and the virus kind of continues on. So, you know, I think it's kind of maybe not the right answer to, to think we're going to eliminate it through measures. What we want to do is mitigate risk. And so, I, you know, you know, the government's instructed various protocols we put in place to do that. And, you know, our league, the hockey community has, you know, did that as well. You know, we, we did what was asked of us um, and, I, and I think we did a good job in mitigating risk.
0: Was there any consultation that you're aware of between the province and Hockey Manitoba going into this latest extension of restrictions?
2: Um, That I'm aware of, I don't think there was much consultation. I think um, just based on my knowledge, and I I don't have uh, extensive knowledge on it, but it it didn't seem like the the hockey community at large was uh, consulted or... um, You know, even Sport Manitoba, I'm not sure they were consulted to a great degree, Um, although I can't say that for a fact.
0: Okay. So let's say that in three weeks from now, when the latest extensions are up, they do give you the green light to resume activities in a safe and distanced manner. How long would it take to get ready to actually play again? And is there enough time before the hockey season traditionally ends to resume the season?
2: Yeah, so our hockey season generally ends at the end of February. So if we're if we're gauging it by that, then no. But you know we're committed to giving our players, you know, at the AAA level, an opportunity to continue in their development. Um, You know, when we're talking about our league specifically, these players are at a a crossroads in their career, and they're going to be making the jump to junior to NCAA. Um, So it's important just to get reps in to get games in to continue in that that development they've spent you know their life working to to get into this elite stream they're here you know a lot of them are drafted uh, to the whl and they're ready to make that next step so our focus is is just to get them reps in and get them games and um you know keep their their skills fresh and stuff like that uh, so when we talk about Is there enough time to do so? You know, if the government opens up facilities, if we're permitted to get back on the ice, we will make time. Uh, Our season doesn't have to end at the end of February. You know, in fact, at a league level, we've talked about extending it. Um, And I, you know, we'll be forced to do that now. Um, But that's something we're comfortable with. You know, there's no magic date where the hockey season ends. We saw, you know, the NHL playoffs (laughs) go on in the same Um, summer hockey, spring hockey is a thing. So uh, it's not unheard of. It's just, it's unconventional.
0: And there's no issues with ice availability at any of the arenas your teams play in?
2: Yeah. Well, we might uh, run into issues um, in certain rural facilities. Um, I think that can be overcome uh, moving to other arenas that maintain ice Uh, potentially having a, a, you know, centrally located facilities, whether that's Brandon or Winnipeg. Um, You know, seven of our teams are are in close proximity to Winnipeg, so it's not a a significant issue that that we can't overcome. And then the four Western teams are in close proximity to Brandon. Uh, You know, Norman's going to be somewhat of a different issue, Um, but but we'll see how that kind of plays out.
0: In the letter, you also touch upon the mental health aspect of this shutdown and a lack of sports for the last few months for kids. Have you had any conversations with coaches or parents or even players in your league about how they're holding up?
2: Yeah, so I communicate regularly with our coaches and managers um, and in turn, they you know, interact with their players. Um, A lot of our teams have been holding, you know, zoom sessions weekly zoom sessions to keep players involved and and to try and maintain that social aspect and that team aspect um but i I don't think there's any doubt that you know kids are are suffering uh you know i i don't know that especially the younger kids understand what's going on um and i think there's a lot to be said about social interaction like i said in my letter uh, contributing to the, their development, their interpersonal skills, their leadership skills, um, you know, their friendships, their relationships. I think these are vital things to their development as people, not just hockey players.
0: And to those who would hear this story and heard me read the letter before uh, brought you on here to say, okay, well, you just have to be patient for three more weeks. It's something you could do. The devil's advocate argument of, well, we, we want to make sure everyone's safe. We want to get this virus eradicated. What is your reaction to that?
2: You know, those are our fair points. I think we've been patient. Uh, and like I said, when we started the season, we followed the protocols, we implemented many measures to mitigate risk. Um, <clears throat> I think what we need to look at is, is just reducing the harms that are caused by you know prohibiting uh, organized sport and prohibiting physical activity and social interaction um you know like i say in my letter we can do it in a safe way and we have done it in a safe way so there's no reason uh you know to think that we can't again do it yeah
0: well, Levi, I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for coming on, and uh, best of luck. Hopefully we uh, are able to play again safely very soon.
2: Thanks. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?